congratulations, here's some good news. It's never too late. Welcome to the Own Your Own Health Podcast. I'm Cindy Lynn, and I can't wait to help you step into your health power. So today I want to talk about and debunk one of the most frequent comments I hear from my clients and from um, people who write in for advice uh, and, and work with me on social media, and that is, it's too late. Well, it's never too late. And without, without buying into that excuse, I can certainly understand it. It feels like perhaps you've gone down a long path for a long time, you're way down the path of the treatment of a diagnosis, or you're way down the path of 30 years of eating a certain way. And so when I make the suggestion that someone make some changes, and very often it's to their treatment plan, to how they're managing a particular illness, um, to how they're they're working with some of their everyday habits, I hear, you know what, it's just too late. Now, that may also mean, that may be the code word for, it's too much work to learn something new now. And that is absolutely something I can help you with. So let's look at some of the most common phrases I hear. It's too late to change treatment plans. It's too late to get my family to start eating better. They never change. It's too late to start an exercise program. How can I go to the gym when I can't even walk around the block? It's too late to save this relationship. It's too late to have a good relationship with my kids. It all seems to have fallen apart. Uh, it's too late to get my dog to behave. <laughs> That's one I've encountered very recently. And we have this excuse of it being too late to, when I think truly most of the time, it's a combination of things. It's too much work and I don't know where to start. Where do you start making changes to something that you've been doing for years? Where do you start making changes that allow you to own your health, your behavior, your activities, when you've been perhaps outsourcing them for years, when you've been letting the doctor make the decision, when you've been letting the family make the decision, when you've been letting other people manage your calendar inadvertently probably, how do you start to make those changes? Well, the good news is that you don't have to undo. There's very often a sense that you have to go back and change what was done. And we can't, we can't change the past. We can only make a decision to get the information we need and change moving forward. So that's the first obstacle that we really address is that we can't change the past. Maybe you have been eating really poorly for the past 30 years. You can change that in your next meal. Maybe you never have taken a supplement to help you feel better. You can get the information and you can change that today. You know, maybe you have been down a long course of treatment for your diagnosis, <clears throat> excuse me, and 
and you feel like, okay, I've signed up for this and this is the path I'm on. And this is the one I hear the most about just because the work I do with clients. It's sort of like that train is running and it's going fast and it's heading down the tracks and there's just no way to stop it. But you can. And when we decide to make a change, when we decide to take ownership, it doesn't mean that everything we were doing before has to stop. Maybe it gets altered a little. Or maybe even we continue to do the things we were doing and we add a meaningful behavior that allows us to do what we were doing with intention and with understanding and with information so that we have the confidence of knowing that, yeah, we made this decision because it's the right decision, not because it was the default, not because the train was just running down the tracks. So I want to get specific with a few of these examples so that you have something to work with on your own. I also want to be mindful of the time. Um, my intention is to do short blurbs that you can listen to on your way to work, out walking the dog. Um, I really want this information to be consumable. And that's a, a theme within my program as well, a, a very consumable bite-size information that gives you what you need to apply the information to your own life. So we started a little bit with changing treatment plans. So say you've had a, a diagnosis, it's been managed in a certain way. Um, maybe, and this is a common one, you're on an awful lot of medications and you're starting to wonder if you still need each one of those medications now that you've maybe stabilized or now that your symptoms have uh, subsided or now that you've made some other changes to your lifestyle. And this can be something as simple as uh, blood pressure medication. If you truly make changes to your lifestyle, to your stress level, to your weight, to your diet, um, you may not need all of the medication that you needed before. And so owning your own health is simply... Uh, it can be simply a matter of raising that question next time you go to your doctor's office, saying, okay, I've been on this dose, I've lost 30 pounds, I've got my blood sugars under control, how about we consider lowering the dose? And very often it's difficult to stop medication outright. outright. It's difficult for physicians to do it because they don't want to write that prescription, they don't want to take that responsibility. But it's very, it's much easier to say, okay, let's cut back on the medication, see how the results are, and then we can move forward from there. And perhaps the next cycle, the next time around, you can ask the same question and eventually reduce or get off a particular medication. The same is true even for chemotherapy. There's cocktails that are prescribed that may work first course, may not work second course, shifts might be necessary. And it's not necessary for you to know everything about every chemotherapy drug. I can promise you nobody does. But you can raise the question saying, okay, we did these things. I seem to tolerate this drug. I didn't tolerate this drug. What about a different combination? What about staggering them? What about timing? What about just what about? You get to ask, what about? What are the other options? 
And it's very easy for a physician to just put you on what you were on before or put you on the latest protocol. And it's up to you to advocate for yourself and to ask these questions. Is all of this really necessary? Do we have to do it all at the same time? Can we start it in stages to see what I tolerate and perhaps then which ones are causing me the worst side effects? And that's perfectly legitimate questioning. And that's part of owning your own health. So when I say own your own health, it doesn't mean you go and say, all right, I'm not taking any more medications. I'm not going to the doctor anymore. I'm not. No, it means being a really good consumer. It means for, for a lot of us, it means being as picky about what we purchase for and engage in for our vehicles, for our home appliances, for our restaurants really looking at it with a critical eye and saying, okay, what's for me? What isn't for me? What do I want to try? What don't I want to try? What are the consequences? And then you can make an informed decision. And I, I encourage you to hold off on a decision until you feel like you have the necessary information, right? And I can tell you that Ironically, even if you proceed with the same medication or the same course of treatment you were on six months ago, you're going to feel better about that, being informed, and knowing that you chose that. That's very empowering. And that's what we're about here, really empowering you to own it, to own your own health. Another one of the comments that I hear often is, and I've been wanting to make changes. I've been wanting to introduce a lot more vegetables. I've been wanting to really cut back on the, on the carbs, but my family will never go for it. So there's a couple of things that work here. You can only own your own health. And to some extent, an infant's or a small child's health, right? Once kids get to a certain age, they're going to be engaging with the outside world in their own way. Spouses have their own lives. They are separate beings, even though you are in a very strong relationship with them. And you can't necessarily own their health. You can just support them in taking action, asking questions, doing these kinds of things. And I know many of the women I work with are very strong um, in terms of, of research and asking questions and they've developed these abilities and they support their family and they support their spouse, sometimes even their parents in taking these actions and making these choices. But ultimately those individuals have to own it themselves. And that's also true for what you consume, what you put in your body. So the first thing I encourage clients to do is to own their own food own what they put in their mouth. So there may not be any way to stop yours, your significant other, your spouse, your, your adult kids from bringing the Doritos and the ice cream into the house. You can choose and own what you put in your mouth. You can choose and own what you cook. So you can make a healthy meal, you can sit down and eat it. You can also make a healthy meal and make additional food that you don't necessarily want to eat. And that's up to you with regard to where your boundaries are and how strongly you feel about providing 
what each of the individuals in your household may want. There's a lot that goes into that. And in fact, we could probably do a whole episode just on what it's like to, to be responsible for someone else's nutrition. Okay. But in terms of owning your own health, owning your own nutrition, it's about what goes in your mouth and what doesn't. You may not be able to get your whole family to drink all of their water and their electrolytes every day, but you have full control over doing it for you. So I encourage my clients to start with themselves. They very often set a good example and people are much likely to follow someone who's already doing it than to embark on a whole new plan that mom has just come up with or dad has just come up with saying, okay, now this is the way we're going to eat. People fight back, right? You do what you need to do to own your health and eat what you need to eat and leave the rest. And watch what happens around you. It's a very interesting experiment. And at the end of the day, you're the one that's in control. The third example I want to talk about is exercise because that's a big one. Now, owning a company that was originally called The Reluctant Athlete, that's me, right? I don't love exercise. I don't love what is commonly thought of as formal exercise. And that was part of my problem is that I saw exercise as this uh, highly separate um, requiring loads of energy, uh, tons of separate time, separate clothes. It was just this activity that was so far outside of my life. And I didn't want to take time out of my life to do this far out activity. When I started to realize that exercise was movement and how you chose to move your body, my mindset started to change around it a little bit. You know, it was when I started taking shoes to work, and that was back in the corporate days when I wore heels. You'd take tennis shoes and socks to work, and you'd go for a walk after lunch, okay? And if it was super hot, you really couldn't because you weren't dressed for it, but most of the time, you could take a short walk after lunch, and it was like, okay, now, is this going to get me an Olympic spot? No. Is that my goal? No. But getting more movement. So really, I stopped using the word exercise with myself in my mind, started movement and asking myself, how can I squeeze in some movement? What kind of movement can I get here? Well, I have dogs. I love walking the dogs. You can do all kinds of things while you're walking dogs. And that's exercise. And it all counts. And that, in fact, should be a whole other episode about what, what is exercise? What counts as movement? How much do you have to do? Because there's all different, we've touched on this in previous episodes, there's all kinds of different recommendations out there, all kinds of different guidelines and rules. And again, it all depends on your specific goal. So when some, someone says to me, I can't go to the gym because I can't even walk around the block, I ask a couple of questions. Do you even want to go to the gym? That may not be a goal for you. That may Maybe one of those shoulds that's going on in the back of our minds. I should be doing this and I should be doing that. I should get a gym membership and I should go every day and I should, 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 should. And I like to remind people not to should all over themselves. But we do that. So the first question is, do you actually want to go to the gym? Now, if they do, then okay. Let's find one 
that's suitable for your level of activity, what you're currently doing, because we start where we are, and one that you actually want to go to, and then find you a personal trainer there who can work with someone with your body type, your body conditioning, and whatever current health issues you have going on. And it's it's real interesting because I there's a perception out there that personal trainers are for like high level athletes, and 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 only for high level athletes. And that couldn't be further from the truth because the folks who need it the most are the ones who don't know how to move their bodies, whether it's walking. And yes, people do it wrong. I see people in my office all the time with hip trouble and knee pro problems because their gait is off and they need to relearn how to use their body. So absolutely having a good personal trainer to start you off, to show you three or four exercises, the proper way to do them, where you start. You know, you very often hear about exercise progression, but there's also exercise regression, so that not everyone starts out with push-ups, or not everyone starts out with full squats. There are ways to regress these exercises so that you can eventually build up to some of these. And you need to find someone, and I can help you find someone by giving you, you know, helping you create the questions, the interview questions, looking at resources, looking at profiles of, of personal trainers, visiting the gym with you. Those are the kinds of things that, if, if you're local, um, but those are the kinds of things that I work with people in the program to help them find what they want. If they truly want to go to a place, go to a gym. If they don't want to go to a gym, if their answer is no, I have no desire to go to a gym, it sounds scary and I don't even want to walk into one, I'm like, great. There are tons of things you can do at home and outside with very little equipment. And you can start out with just body weights. And there's, you know, certainly a place for building on that. But when I'm talking to someone who truly can't walk around the block, we have to start where you are. And you have to start where you are. So when we talk about setting goals and saying, okay, what is your goal? It may be your goal to comfortably walk around the block, say three times a day, morning, noon, and after dinner. And with that being your starting goal, there are many ways we can work up to that. So that's one of those things where it's never too late to own that. It's never too late to start. And if those are the excuses, if that's the first thing that comes to your mind, then I, I really want you to think about, is it just because it seems overwhelming because I don't know where to start? We can help with that. If it seems like too much work, think about how much work it is to put it off, to have that little message in your head saying, I should, I should, I should. You know, the, the shooting all over ourselves takes a tremendous amount of energy. And in fact, those messages play sometimes long after we actually turn the habit around and start doing the activity. So I really want to encourage you to stop using the excuse, it's too late. And all right, 
right? I know right away there's going to be people who are arguing. And there are certainly things, you know, um, it's really too late for me to train to be a ballerina. All right, I'll give you that. It's too late for me to become a gymnast if, if I ever if I ever could have. Um, so there there are definitely things that pass us by in life. But for what your goals are, for what you want, because what you want is what's important, and what you want for your life is the basis of owning it. It's the best reason to own your health is to get what you want out of life. So look at those things that you want. Ask yourself if you're using the it's too late as an excuse. And if you try on, it's a lot of work, or it seems overwhelming, or I don't know where to start, and any of those ring true, then you got this. I can help you. There's loads of folks out there who can help you. And you can get there. You can own it. So thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for more information about the program, if there was any of this that rang true, because there is so much more. This is the work that we actually do in the program to help you sort this out. And any other support that you need, my contact information is there as well. If you like this, please share it. As you know, I'm starting out on this. I love listeners. Just like in the office, I love referrals. And if there's topics you want to hear about it, reach out and let me know. Looking forward to next time. And until then, let's own it.